0: Welcome to How to Lose a Girl in 10 Days, the podcast where we talk about the opinions of old people and young people from fair wages, carbon zero, sheen halls, and everything else in between. Hello, everybody. Welcome to How to Lose a Girl in 10 Days. We're your hosts, Holly
1: and Zandi. And today we're going to be talking about sort of how our electoral system works, how you can get involved, what it looks like when you go and vote, and just how it generally works when it's not election season.
0: Yeah. So that looks like how bills get passed, and you often hear of the term MMP, so we're going to be talking about what that means. So, how does our system actually work?
1: So, basically, come election day, when you walk into the election booth, because I imagine you're all going to be enrolled, we're hoping you're all going to be registered to vote. Yes. When you, when you walk into the election booth, you get given a ballot, and that ballot has two votes on it. You get a vote for a party, and a vote for an elected MP.
0: Your electorate is basically like your little region, right? So we have, well, I say region. It's a little bit smaller than that. So we have in Wellington, uh, the Wellington Central electorate. We have the uh, Hutt South electorate. The Rongatai electorate. The Rongatai. We have the Ohariu. We have Urimataka up in the Hutt as well. So we've got lots of different... um, Electorate. So It was important to know which one you belong to but it's probably quite easy to tell because when election season comes around you see billboards everywhere yeah. and it'll yeah. probably look, tell you look, where look. you are.
1: Your electorate vote allows you to vote for an MP to represent your region. The electorate MPs they often live they live in your area
0: or have some kind of connection to like your area. To the area. Yeah. yeah.
1: So they, they can like really they can like advocate for policies that, that support your neighborhood or support yeah. you guys and like they can advocate for your community
0: yeah so if they get elected into parliament as your electorate mp their main role among other things is just to like advocate for your region and be like wellington would really benefit from good uh, no transport policy or something like that so they'd advocate for good transport policy because they want to represent the best interests of wellington um or wherever they're from
1: and they, they often they like they, they often contribute more than that because like for instance chris hepkins is an electorate mp yeah. and when the the hurricane or the cyclone was it yes. hit Auckland, he was up there helping out. Oh like, yeah, for sure. So it's basically as an electorate MP, your job is sort of to help around your community. It, we policy endeavours were just like providing leadership for your community.
0: Yes, definitely. But but you can also get assigned other portfolios. Like Chris Hopkins yeah. was like education minister, minister for police, minister
1: of health. Minister, minister, of, minister of health. Of he, ha- he did every, a lot of he, he did everything but finance. I swear. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so basically that's why you have two votes. So the first vote goes towards who you want to be your electorate MP. So somebody who you think is going to do the best job at representing what you think is going to be good for your specific area of New Zealand. And right. secondly, you have your list MPs.
1: Yeah, your, your party vote. This is actually more important, right? Because your party vote determines on how, like, how many seats each party will get. So you get one vote. So you can vote for Greens, you can vote for National, you can vote for ACT, right? And then what they do on election night they count up all these votes and then they say okay so um, Labour got 40% of the vote they're going to get 40% of the seats in Parliament right mm-hmm. so the party vote determines on how many seats the party like the parties will get in Parliament so if you vote for Greens they might get more seats if you vote for National the same will be true there
0: yeah and a lot of people always talk about "Oh, they have this amount of seats but like what does that actually mean? It basically just means that if you have more seats in Parliament, you effectively have more power to do things and pass bills and have a larger voice. So Parliament essentially, the way it works is you need over 50% of members to vote in favour of, like, a bill. for Example, like, three waters to get it passed through right so the more seats that a party has the more bargaining power you have so for example um labor had over 50% of the vote so they could just pass three waters entirely by themselves regardless and they did, and they did regardless of what anybody else thought of it but in most cases what it looks like happening is labor or national don't get a whole 50% of the vote they might get i don't know 43, 44% yeah. of the votes. It's
1: usually usually high 30s, low 40s. Yeah. So what, what usually happens, you have what's called coalitions. So one party, Labour and National, gets a large portion of the vote, but not quite enough to govern alone. Yeah. So they go to the other parties and say, hey guys, you didn't get as many votes as us, so we're going to be in government, but we want to be able to govern. We want to have a majority in parliament so we can pass legislation. Mm-hmm. So they go to other parties, like my, especially small parties, like minor parties, like the Greens, Mary Party... Yeah. Like New Zealand First, at the sort of mm-hmm. parties that we were talking about in our first video, like our first podcast, and they say, "Hey guys, will you support us if we give you some concessions?"
0: So what that looks like is there was an example of it would have been the 2016 um, voting yeah. cycle, and Labor co-aligned with New Zealand First and Greens. So what that meant is that. Labour could pass what they wanted, but as long as New Zealand First and Greens agreed to it. So, probably what happened in that situation is Greens and New Zealand First said, yes, 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 we'll support all of your policy that you guys want to pass, as long as you also vote for some policy that we want. Because Greens and New Zealand First wouldn't be able to just pass bills of their own accord because they don't have enough seats. So... If they if they give concessions to labor, then they get good things back. It's kind of like yeah. give some, take some. So totally then, like Greens... I scratch my back,
1: you scratch yours. Yeah,
0: precisely. So Greens were able to like pass some bills. New Zealanders were able to like hold out for some concessions that they wanted because they voted for things that Labor wanted because that was really really important for Labor to be able to actually get things done in government. So because of that, they gave more power to smaller parties. But the way that you can have multiple parties in governance at once, and multiple parties having power and making decisions, is the main difference between MMP and other systems across the world.
1: And in my opinion makes MMP much more representative than what you see elsewhere. But we'll yeah, get into that definitely. a little bit more.
0: Definitely. I would just
1: like to say something about like, like coalitions in general, because I know especially come election season, and like I, it looks like we will get to end up with coalitions again this time, because neither Labor nor National polling high enough to get an outright majority. Mm. You usually get a lot of, um, I guess, hate about the idea of having coalitions. Saying, well, this party got the most votes. Why shouldn't they be able to govern alone? Mm. Right. But I guess that sort of misses the point of MMP Because the point of MMP isn't to let whichever party gets the most votes be in charge. It's to let the parties that together represent the majority of the population. And they got the majority of the votes together to to be in charge. Mm -hmm. Right. So...
0: But the, there is also a criticism of, you know, only, I don't know, five or six percent of the population voted for the Green Party, maybe in, 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 in the last election cycle. So why should the Green Party have so much power to make decisions if only a small amount of the population actually agrees with but their policy?
1: The, the same logic is true for, let's say, let's say National gets 44 percent of the vote and then could govern alone. you know, it, like, because they're the largest party. Let's say they get 44 they, percent mm. they the, they, they of the vote, they become the largest party and they decide to govern alone that's still a minority of the population determining what the majority has to live with.
0: I suppose so. Right? Yep.
1: So the thing about M&P is although you have maybe a minority fraction getting a little bit more power than they otherwise would, at least you have a majority of the population in favour of certain legislation.
0: Basically, that is why it's good for parties to have more seats in Parliament. It gives them more bargaining power. It allows them to propose bills and say, look, if you you help me with this bill, then we'll help you with a different bill that you guys want instead. It gives you a lot more power to actually make decisions and get things put through Parliament, which is the goal of any party, really. So that's all kind of the theory behind it. So how are bills, like, actually passed? There's quite a stringent system in New Zealand that goes through proposing bills, getting public input, select committees, readings, all that jazz. we'll kind of go through that for you.
1: Okay, so basically the first stage of this process is what's called the first reading. So before the first reading, the government goes to all the departments and is like, so guys, what What do we want to have in this bill? What is it going to look like? So they've done all the hard work beforehand, Mm-hmm. And they they basically put forward a bill. They've written all the, the whole thing, mm-hmm. and they read it out to parliament. And
0: it's often sponsored by a member, so there'll be like one member of parliament in charge of a certain bill. Like for instance, there was a fair pay, fair pay agreement act that Michael Wood wanted to propose well the Labor Party wanted to propose but they put Michael Wood in charge of it so he's kind of the representative for that bill so he's kind of the main man of he supposedly is in charge of organizing that and making sure the research is done and just managing everything around that bill
1: yeah and his, his job is basically just make sure that all the birds in, like, in a row like everything's going to check out all the research is done. Everyone's yeah. on the same yes. page. Like, He's that's...
0: also to blame if it fails miserably. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't. It passed. It didn't. And it we're passed. quite excited about that. We're going to talk about that at a later time. Yeah. So basically, in this first, third first they call it the first reading, they just read out the entire bill and then they debate it. So the opposition, the, the governing MPs, they can all, like, you know, say good things about it, say bad things about it. You can get an idea of what the bill's about. Yeah. And you can make the merits of it. And most often, these sort of bills... When they get put put forward for a first reading, they sell straight for it because it's put forward by the government. The government has a majority. It seems to get it gets like a lot of backlash if you put forward a policy and get it voted out, even though you're in government. You know they don't yeah. like to have bills fail.
0: But not only government can propose bills. Yeah, you
1: can have you can have like private MP, I call them private member bills, which is just an an ordinary MP. They mm. want to get a piece of legislation through. Either they might be, they might even be part of the government, but. It's just not part of the government's priorities.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, for instance, white is Waititi, uh, the co-leader of the Māori Party, uh, sometime last year, I think, I think it was late last year, he tried to propose a bill that was to let people switch from the Māori role to the general electorate role anytime they wanted. That's a that's a whole separate um, voting issue that I won't get into today. Um, the existence of different roles, but yeah, for for example, he's not a member of the government. Um, however, he he proposed a, um, a a private members bill to try and get that through because it's something he believed in.
1: Yeah, and the way and sorry, basically Parliament okay, at the start of the year says we're going to have this much time for government bills and this much time for private member bills, mm. and then they'll divide it up like that. It's usually far more government bills than private member bills. Yeah, and the private member bills you can't they all put it's called the cake tin. is actually, this is great. Cake tin.
0: So, yeah, that sounds like an exciting it, term.
1: Okay, yeah. Basically, you like all the like if you want to have a bill. Publish right. You write it all up, and you put it in what's called a cake tin. It's legitimately oh, a cake tin. Oh, I've heard of yeah, this. Yeah, it's legitimately yeah. A cake tin. It's great. It's great. And then whenever they say, "Okay, now we're going to do a private members bill," they shake this cake tin and they pull out a bill.
0: This is literally a thing they do. They actually yeah. have a tin, and they just like it's like a lucky dip. What bill are we going to do today? <laughs> it's great,
1: but it does mean that some bills take like ten years to actually get debated after being proposed, and other bills take like five minutes because you just get lucky. But it, it is really random it means that like opposition MPs or government MPs are all treated the same and it's it basically allows like, MPs That's if good. they've got if they've got a topic they're really interested in or they really think should happen to do it. Like another example would be David Seymour on the euthanasia bill. Mm, yeah. Like everyone's sort of you know, they wanted to have a referendum on euthanasia for a long time, but it just wasn't on anyone's you know radar. I- radar. It wasn't yeah. a big priority and so they ended up not really doing it. But now, because of a private member's bill, we have euthanasia being legal in New Zealand. Yes,
0: so that's the difference between private members' bills and government members' bills. Either way, members are usually responsible for for their bill. So then, what it looks like is after they do the first reading, they all debate it, they all have thoughts on it, they all chat about it, and then it goes to a select committee.
1: And this is where you can sort of have your say. But basically, there are a number of different um, select committees, and they all specialize in certain areas. Like you've got education, you've got health, and the seats on these these select committees are determined based on how many seats in parliament each party has. Okay. So
0: it can actually vary it quite vary. a lot.
1: Yeah. And basically the job of select committees is to sort of get public consult the public
0: yeah but they also do more than that so like the public can submit their opinions and you know people who know a lot about it or people who are really directly affected by the bill will often make submissions and they can write an email to parliament they can they can write a letter or they can go in and like talk to the committee themselves but additionally to that the select committee does a lot of research and they actually nail it down into how is this going to be implemented what do we have to change to make this happen how is it feasibly going to work when we put this into our society yeah so that's quite important Important. And they do get a lot of general ideas from the way that the community feels about it. Yeah. So like, once, e-
1: e- like, like you and me, or like anyone else, can like we as a select committee. Like, there's a on a bill, Any, anyone can show up and yeah. give us a submission. It
0: it's literally open to anybody. Yeah, you can just um, walk in as well. Yeah, you can. It's great. So that's kind of how they engage in the public when bills are getting passed. So after that, after the select committee has done all their thing, and, they, and then they can also make recommendations on, maybe we should change it to be this way, or, or maybe we need to amend it because the public doesn't want it this way. They want to have the same bill but implement it in a different way. They, they can make a lot of recommendations on what they think is going to be best, for the implementation of this bill. Then it goes to the second reading.
1: And the second reading, they they, they read it out yet again, believe, believe it or not. <laughs> again. And then, they, and then they also debate the changes that select committee has proposed. So oftentimes select committee will make a whole bunch of proposals. Some of them will even be contradictory because you have parties that are for and against mm. the bill on the select committee in the first place. And then Parliament's like, okay, so we like those changes, we don't like those changes, we're going to keep this, and then they vote on it again. Mm. So after all that's done, and it passes, it moves on to what the Another stage called the Committee of the Whole House. So on the select committee, you have those 6 or 12 MPs who are on the select committee debating what changes or amendments should be made to the bill. Mm. In the Committee of the Whole House, anyone can show up. In practice, because most bills are very uncontroversial, it's just the MPs who were on the select committee originally who show up, or people who might have a slight interest on it. Mm. But other times, if it's a really controversial bill... Like I think legalizing gay marriage is one of those sort of bills.
0: Yeah, everybody it, shows everybody up. Everybody shows up. Everyone's and turning out
1: in the sort of like in the committee of the whole house. Anyone can propose an amendment, anyone, and the parliament will vote on it. So you have all sorts of like discussion back and forth. And yeah. In, during this stage, the bills can actually change quite drastically. It's not usual, but they can.
0: Yeah, because a lot you know, if you're hearing different sides of a debate, it's very easy to change your mind about things that can be controversial or are controversial at the time. Not that I think gay marriage should be a controversial bill to have, anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is where a lot of the meat of the debate happens, and where things can properly change in the way that people view the way that should, the bill should
1: act. Also known, kind of colloquially among government people, as um, the nuts and bolts stage. Nuts and so nuts. the select committee is all about like how it, like is all about public consultation, and the like first reading is all about like high mm. floating policy ideas. The idea of the committee of the whole house is to really nail it down exactly like any yes. vague wording they try and get down. Like they they try and do a whole bunch of changes. Yeah, and. Yeah. So basically, once it gets through to the committee of the whole house, it goes on to the third reading.
0: The third reading, the and third... then they do it all again. <laughs> they, 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 yeah,
1: they read it all out. It's it's basic compared to the committee of the whole house, where all these amendments are made. The third reading is just them reading it out and voting. It's kind or of
0: not. just like a formality of it's, like, are we sure we want yeah. this, guys? <laughs> basically, it's
1: like uh, they're like, okay, so guys, after the, all the amendments we made in the committee of the whole,
0: are we still we happy still, with? it? Are we it? still happy with? Yeah, it? Yeah. So
1: nine times out of ten, it's it's just it's just a symbolic vote.
0: Yeah. It is. Because
1: whether the bill will pass or fail usually gets determined on the first or second vote,
0: and then once it gets through the third reading, it goes to royal assent, which is basically just means the governor general signs it off. The governor general is the represent is the representative of the crown, or like you nearly the- said queen there. I almost did say queen, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So the governor general is the representation of the crown, like the royal family in New Zealand. So he basically signs off on it and says. Or she? Who's the Governor-General at the moment? I, this is bad of me. I should know I don't this. actually know either. Who's the Governor-General? Governor-General NZ. Sydney, Dame Cindy Cairo. Okay, Dame
1: Cindy Cairo. Okay. So basically, the Governor-General will sign off on the legislation. It's, I don't think the Governor-General's ever vetoed a piece of legislation in New Zealand. I it, think
0: they have the power to, but they, I they they think that would power. cause a lot of yeah. issues. The Governor-General
1: has a lot of power, allegedly, but they've never used it in New Zealand. They have in Australia, and they nearly got rid of the Queen because of it, oh, the, the <laughs> oh monarchy because of it. Like it was a very big controversial deal at the time. Goodness me. So they learned their lesson. Yes. Anyway, okay. basically, the third, the third reading and the um, royal Assent is
0: just a formality to be like this is actually as soon as it's signed, it becomes New Zealand becomes legislation. New Zealand yeah. So the
1: moment the governor general ticks off on it, it becomes New Zealand law.
0: Then we all have to abide by the new law. So that's a kind of little bit of a straggly breakdown. Yeah, crash course on how bills get through government and what it actually means. And now we can kind of look at why... MMP can be seen as good or bad in comparison to other... Sort of how it's other... different to the rest of the world. Yeah, in terms of other systems. Because places in the world have got very different systems yeah. to how they run things. And MMP can, even though it's the same system, can look very different in different places of the world. Like, exactly. we look very different to Germany, and they've got an MMP system.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like, going off that, Germany is sort of the like, main country that we based our system off. Mm. It's very similar. Um, they have a slightly different threshold. Going back to what we were talking about MMP before with the party vote is you acquire a certain percentage before you're allowed into parliament if you don't win an electoral seat. I think you need five percent of the vote to get seats okay. in parliament if you don't have an electoral seat. Under Germany, I think it's four percent. But basically the German system is very similar to us for MMP. Interesting. Turns out there are a couple of other systems because MMP is a very new phenomenon. It came yeah. about, I think, during the 40s, like after World like after actually after World War II maybe. So like yeah. 45, 46.
0: A big main one is FPP, which is first past the post. That exists in the UK, for yeah. one, Ex- and many other countries. Many countries.
1: It, it, it mainly exists in like former British colonies. Yes. It was a very big British thing. So like, it, um, Canada we, has a... we
0: used to be in an FPP system before we switched to MMP, so, so that was our original system.
1: So... Basically, the idea of FPP is you don't get a party vote. You just get one vote, and it's for your electorate. So you basically say, hey guys, I like this guy. I want to vote for this guy. You don't get a party vote. You don't get a say in how the rest of the country elects their candidates. So you only get a say in who like, it represents, who represents your you. district, your community. Yeah. Right. So basically, MMP is the same except you get, also get the party vote. The thing, the, the main criticism of fpp and the reason why we changed is that it's quite fundamentally undemocratic. Because what happens usually is you get areas that are very heavily, um, like you, you get areas that are very heavily one way or the other. So like, for instance, in New Zealand, like a lot of the farm, like the, the country areas, like the farmland country, they tend to be quite like support national quite hard, whereas the cities tend to go towards Labour. Although Auckland doesn't always, mm. right? So what tends to happen when you have a, just like a system like FPP is that you don't actually get something that the, like you don't get a system that majority of the population support
0: because FPP relies on the principle that it's whoever gets the most votes, like completely. So that doesn't even have to be fifty percent. The
1: way FPP works is that each district elects their MPs. Yeah. Right. So you can have like. Like you, you can have a situation where one where you have one guy on twelve percent and the rest of the guys on eight percent and then that guy who's twelve percent represents your community. When it goes to the rest of the country, every district does the same. But what I was trying to say before, the reason why it's controversial, is basically that oftentimes you get them like you get stacked. So you might have like eighty percent of the population in a certain area might support a Labour candidate, whereas in another area fifty percent of people might support a national candidate. So in the area of the Labour candidate, if you're a national, like if you're a national supporter, your vote doesn't matter. Because right, you're at 20% of the population, there's not a chance of how your candidate's going to win. right? And same if you're a Labour guy, because you know Labour's going to win, you don't actually need to vote. So your vote doesn't really matter either. But if you're in a district where 50% supports one group and 50% supports another group, then your vote matters slightly more. But those districts don't exist that often, and oftentimes become the party in charge when they get to redistrict. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, this group... We're going to stack all the opposition supporters in one area.
0: Basically, if you support a somewhat unpopular candidate, there's no way for your voice to be heard in how Parliament no. creates itself. Because, yeah, if you're if you're voting for a candidate that usually gets 20% in, in your electorate, there's no way that that candidate can ever get a voice in Parliament.
1: Yeah, and there's no way your views, your personal views, will ever be represented. Because I think we all agree that like, you issues that affect your community... Are different from issues that you might want to see on a national scale
0: mm, very much so
1: because you might want to vote for a guy because you like him and like you think he'd do a great job representing you and like your area but you don't like his policies on stuff like gay marriage it doesn't affect your, your area so under MMP you can say hey I like you I, li- I don't necessarily like all your policies but I think you're do a good job representing me but I'm going to vote for the other guys as well so I can get my personal political views represented while mm. still having you representing me.
0: Yeah, so even if you don't get who you want representing your electorate, at least you get some kind of proportional representation, and that's why it's called MMP, Mixed Member Proportional. Yep. You get proportional representation on the New Zealand stage.
1: And I guess just another quick just another quick bit of, bit of a rant. I know if you've listened, listened to the last episodes, you know I'd like to rant a little bit. So here's my <laughs> rant about FPP a little bit. Um, if you go back in New Zealand history just a little bit, like when we still had the system, you actually had a surprising number of times where the party that got a majority of seats in parliament didn't have a majority of votes or didn't even come close to a majority. Mm. And other times, I think there was one time we had a party, it was a social credit party. They got some, yes. I think at that at that, at that, like, that like peak, they got something like 30% of the vote. Mm. They were hugely popular for that time, but they never got more than three MPs in parliament because they couldn't get more than 50% They couldn't get a majority of votes in any one electoral district, despite a huge number of population actually wanting them to be in Parliament. If I get 30% of the vote in every single area of New Zealand, I won't get a seat in Parliament.
0: Yeah, I suppose I need to get
1: 50% of the vote in one area to get a seat in Parliament.
0: Yeah, true. So
1: that's why FPP doesn't really work, because it doesn't allow minority views to get through. So what basically happens, and you see this in almost every FPP system, is you have two parties. You just have yeah, two parties. you just have two parties. And they alternate between And it's the so
0: hard to break through to those two parties because they're yeah. so relied upon. Like, we have Labour and National who are our main two parties, but other parties can still exist outside of that and have a voice to combat, like, political stagnation of them just doing everything the same all the time.
1: Yeah. Because, like, no matter what you think about, like, ACT or Greens or New Zealand First, they come up with interesting policy ideas, and some of them are good, right? Like, some of them are valuable, and... If they didn't have that sort of voice that MMP gives them, we wouldn't hear them. It would just be like what Labour and what National want, and that kind of gets a little bit boring.
0: It does, and it means we can't progress to new endeavours as a society. You know, like if society is changing in some kind of way, then we need to be able to reflect that in who we're voting into parliament. And it's very—it's a lot harder to do under FPP. Yeah, so
1: there's there's a reason now why the majority of countries in the world, especially those in Africa, have some sort of MMP-like system. Yeah, we we're, yeah. we're one of the more um, thorough versions of that and we're much more democratic than like other versions of it.
0: Yeah. And then the other kind of large system that exists um, and we have a version of this in New Zealand is STV which yeah. is single transferable vote.
1: So, I don't know how many of you will have voted in the council elections, but basically the way the system it's the same system except instead of getting multiple candidates representing your area, you just get one. Um You basically get a whole bunch of candidates and you rank them by numbers, and come election season, if they they count, they say, okay, so to win this district, a candidate has to get a certain number of votes. So when they when they when you on election day, they count all the votes and they say, well, no candidate's got this. They drop the lowest guy, and then those votes get redistributed to their second preference, the guys they rank number two.
0: Yeah. So for instance, if you said. Your top three votes were, I don't know, um, Jacinda Ardern, David Seymour, and Christopher Luxon, just for lack of names. Yeah. Um, so if you voted... Jacinda Ardern first and say that she didn't get enough of the vote. They then cut her from the round and go, okay, okay. So we're getting rid of her. Yeah, she so was, so yeah. then your vote gets transferred to your second choice. And you go, okay, so my second choice was actually David Seymour. So then they count all the votes again and they go, okay, does David Seymour have enough of these votes to win? And they go, no, no, he doesn't either. So ditch him from the round, count them all again. And then your vote goes to your third choice. Who did I say? Christopher Luxon. And then it turns out, yay, Christopher Luxon does have enough votes. So then he gets elected in. And, the issue with this is, whilst it seems like, oh, this is somebody who might represent the largest number of people, like, I don't know, it's, it's basically just like, you're the least disliked candidate. Yeah. It's kind of confusing. So instead
1: of getting candidates you want, you get candidates that you, you don't... don't hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, this is to be said for it compared to FBP, and it's more democratic to an extent, because like, it means you can vote for the candidate you want first of all, and then you can your vote still matters. Yeah. But under MMP, you can vote for the candidate you want and your vote matters either way. So yeah. it's slightly less democratic and you do get the system like you have in Australia where I think the Greens consistently gets me like 10-15% of the vote. And they, and they
0: can never break they,
1: through. They can never break I think they finally got four seats in Parliament and like Australia has been like 120 seats as well. Like yeah. it's really, really hard for parties even who are well established and get large portions of the vote. To break through in these sort of systems
0: yeah exactly so yeah going on democraticness it's probably MMP uh STV and then FPP, FPP. they yeah. all rhyme they, kind they of confusing. Do rhyme. you it's never you never know which one is which yeah.
1: but like there's, <laughs> there's a reason why Britain like the last major holdout on FPP has a serious group of people trying to trying to change it because it's just it, do, it just doesn't work it in doesn't a democratic work. sense
0: member proportional is what we have in new zealand what that looks like on your voting ballot is you've got two votes you've got your electorate mp who represents your area and then your party vote um who's a list mp who will um and and that vote contributes to how many seats that party has in parliament which gives them a lot of power to put forward bills that they like, vote for things, and generally have a larger voice in the scope of what's happening in New Zealand, which is really, really good um, because it doesn't mean that anybody or minority voices are just left to the wayside. It means everybody actually has a chance to say what they think about things. Um, so hopefully that was somewhat understandable. It's been a very information-heavy podcast yeah, so Sorry today. about giving
1: you a bit of... It, a was prob- lot of yeah. <laughs>
0: it was probably less interesting than our other podcasts, but we were asked by a lot of people to do this because I think a lot of people don't really understand what their vote counts towards or how it even works. So um, I hope that this was useful for those of you who who don't necessarily know how that works. Yeah.
1: Any well, last again, thoughts? we hope you enjoyed